haven't guessed by now, we're in the book of Titus. Book of Titus tonight, in chapter 2. Titus chapter 2 and verses 9 and 10. Exhort servants to be obedient unto their own masters, and to please them well in all things, not answering again, not purloining, but showing all good fidelity, that they may adorn the doctrine of God, our Saviour, in all things. We'll open in a word of prayer. Dear Lord and Heavenly Father, we thank you for just the opportunity to come here today and um, to spend time um, with each other in fellowship and um, to be able to sing praises to you, Lord, and to um, now come and have a message from your word, Lord. I pray that you just um, help calm my nerves and that um, you'd give me the wisdom and the understanding I need, Lord, and um, that you would just give me the words to say, Lord. I pray, Lord, that you would just um, forgive me if I'd say anything that's wrong and that if I do say anything that's wrong, that those things would be forgotten, that only your truth would remain. I pray that you'd just um, help us to remember what we learned tonight, Lord, and that you'd help us to apply it to our lives and that um, we'd be able to uh, grow um, and be able to live more Christ-like, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. We've been looking through the book of Titus, and in through chapter 2, we've been seeing um, Paul addressing certain conduct or characteristics of different groups of people. We've seen the conduct of um, the old men or the aged men. We've seen the conduct for the aged women. We've seen the conduct for the young women and the young, young men. And now we come to the conduct of servants. And some of us read servants and go, well, it's servants that doesn't apply to us. Um, in our country, we don't have servants. As far as I can tell, I'm not a servant. But the truth is that the idea of servants can apply to us very realistically in this day and age. While we understand that in ancient times servants were also seen as slaves and they weren't, didn't have any rights of their own, they were owned by somebody else. But the word servant also can mean someone who is paid for their service, someone who is employed, someone who has a job. And as far as I know, most of us have jobs. So however you like to look at it, you are a servant to your employer. And in, a, in that worldly sense, we can understand this. We're, we are employees. We are paid for a job. But we are also servants to God. And it's very important that we recognize this fact. You know, we, we love to remember that we are the sons of God. We love to remember that we are soldiers of the cross. But when someone then implies or reminds us that we are also servants we tend to shrink a little. We don't like this idea of being under something. A soldier has a sort of power or authority. A son of God has a sort of power and authority. But a servant is a humble position. A servant often doesn't have 
that authority and, and power. But as we look tonight, I want us to re- recognize that as a servant of God, as servants of God, we have a privileged position. See, when, when Christ told the parable of the prodigal son, when the son recognized that the servants of his father's household were be- treated better and had a better lifestyle than what he was living, he returned with the idea of simply being a servant. And this is, the, this is the, what we have with God. We have a privileged position as servants. And there are, the, there are great men throughout the, throughout the Bible who recognize themselves as servants. Paul recognized himself servant in Titus chapter 1 and verse 1. Paul, a servant of God. Turn with me to, to Philippians chapter 1. Verse 1, Paul and Timotheus, the servants of Jesus Christ. Paul and Timotheus recognized that they were servants. Turn with me to James in chapter 1. Verse 1, James, a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ. And if we were to go to the uh, the epistles of Peter and the epistle of Jude, we would find the same thing. These great men recognized that they were servants. While they possessed an influence throughout the ancient world, amongst all the Christians, they also were servants. They had this humility. And if you think that, oh, well, they might have recognized that they were servants or thought that they were servants, but it doesn't apply to me, turn with me to Revelations chapter 1. Revelations chapter 1 and verse 1. The revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave unto him, to show unto his servants things which must shortly come to pass. And he sent and signified it by his angel unto his servant John. Here we find that John sees himself as a servant, and his message of revelations was to be given to the other servants. So if you don't see yourself as a servant of God, then you may as well just cut out all of the book of Revelation from your Bible because it's not for you. You see, we have a privileged position as servants of God. And it is important for us to get into this mindset that we are servants, because this mindset will help to generate a willingness to serve God. It will help to generate a willingness to obey God. It will help us to put aside the things of the world and instead to live a Christ-centered life. We are told we cannot serve two masters. We will either hate one and love the other or we will put aside one and cling to the other. We must recognize that as Christians we are servants of God. And upon recognizing this we now need to see the conduct of God's servants. The conduct expected of God's servants. And this is what we find here in Titus chapter 2 and verses 9 and 10. We find the conduct of God's servants. We also find the reason 
why we are to follow this conduct. Firstly, we find that as servants of God, we ought to be obedient to our master. Look with me in verse 9. Exhort servants to be obedient unto their own masters. Servants ought to be obedient to their masters. They must recognize that their master has authority over them. The word obedient means to bring under the influence, to submit oneself or to be submissive. When the master asks them to do something, they do it. When the master gives a command, it followed. The servant obeys. This subject is re repeated time and time again throughout the Bible. When it comes to dealing with the subject of servants, nearly every time we find that servants are told to be obedient. Turn with me to Ephesians in chapter 6. Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 5. Servants, be obedient to them that are your masters according to the flesh, with fear and trembling, in single your heart as unto Christ. Here we find servants, be obedient to them that are your masters. Now you may ask yourself, well, what happens if the master isn't a good master? What happens if my master or my employer treats me wrong? Well, turn with me then to 1 Peter. 1 Peter in chapter 2. Verse 18. Servants, be subject to your masters with all fear, not only to the good and gentle, but also to the froward. Here we are told that even if your master isn't a good master, you still ought to be subject, subject to them. You ought to be obedient to them. If we have a job and, and we have a boss that asks us to do something, regardless of whether they are a good boss or a bad boss, we ought to be obedient. Now praise God that as servants of God, our God is a good God. He is a good master. He's fair and he's just. We don't have to worry about him being unjust. We don't have to worry about him persecuting us. As long as we are obedient, we have nothing to fear from him. Turn with me to Deuteronomy in chapter 10. Deuteronomy chapter 10 and verse 17. For the Lord your God is God of gods and Lord of lords, a great God, a mighty, and a terrible, and a terrible, which regardeth not persons, nor taketh reward. Our God is a great God, a mighty God, and he taketh no reward. He doesn't take bribes. He's fair, he's just. We find this again in Second Chronicles, in chapter 19, verse 7. Wherefore now let the fear of the Lord be upon you. Take heed and do it, for there is no iniquity with the Lord our God. No, no respect of persons, nor taking of gifts. It doesn't matter to God whether you are rich or poor. It doesn't matter to God whether you are old or young, male or female. He treats every one of his servants the same. Nothing will influence that. Nothing will override that fact. Our God is a fair and just God. Turn with me to Colossians in chapter 4.
Colossians chapter 4 and verse 1. Masters, give unto your servants that which is just and equal, knowing that ye also have a master in heaven. Masters were told to emulate or copy the example of their master in heaven. They were to be just and equal. They weren't to treat any servant better than the others. See, we have a, a fair master in heaven. This ought to be a, a fact that encourages us. Our master is fair. Therefore, we should obey him. He doesn't require anything unfair of us. He doesn't expect a different standard between his servants. The standard is the same. We ought to be obedient servants. Not only are we to be obedient servants, we should also be servants that please our master in all things. Look with me again in Titus chapter 2 and verse 9. Exhort servants to be obedient unto their own masters and to please them well in all things. Here we are told that servants ought to please their masters well in all things. And this is very important because one can be a, an obedient servant and still not please their master. The word pleasing means acceptable. And there are those who might go about the, the, what they are being told as servants, but they do it in a way that doesn't please their master. To put it in another, another way of thinking about it, when a parent asks the child to do something and the child does it, but they storm off to do it. They're told to clean their room and the child doesn't want to. So they storm off. They throw things around. They're cleaning the room, but they're doing it with the wrong attitude. It isn't pleasing to the parents. And while this attitude seems funny to an older person, it is something that we see all too often amongst adults. People who begin to act like children when they're told to do something that, that, that they don't want to do. But we are told that we are to do things properly. We are told things to do things pleasingly. Turn with me again to Colossians in chapter 3. Colossians chapter 3 in verses, verses 22 and 23. Servants, obey in all things your masters according to the flesh, not with eye service, as men, men, men pleases, but in singleness of heart, fearing God. And whatsoever ye do, do it heartily, as to the Lord, and not unto men. We are to go about the business, our business, heartily, serving the Lord. At work, when we are asked to do something that we don't want to do, but we recognise that God has given that person authority over it. We should set about to do it as if we are doing it for the Lord. We are set about doing, doing it heartily or happily. I'm sure we have all seen, had work colleagues that do not do this. But we should set the example for them.
We ought to be pleasing to our master. And Paul goes on to tell us in Titus chapter 2, two things that are not pleasing to, the ma- to our master. Two things that are not pleasing to our masters. Exhort servants to be obedient unto their own masters and to please them well in all things, not answering again, not purloining. Here we find two things that displease masters. The first is answering again. And as servants, we ought not to do this. The term answering again means to speak against or contradict, to oppose or gainsay. It's those who tend to argue just for the sake of arguing. Sure, those who have been in the workforce long enough have had contact with these people. When they're asked to do something, they argue, they complain, they murmur. When they're told they've done something wrong, they defend themselves unjustly. They don't want to recognize that they've made a mistake. They don't want to see fault in themselves. They want to see fault in everybody else. It's not my fault. Or you don't, you don't hire me for that. There are people who contradict their masters, who oppose them. And as servants of God, we ought not to oppose God. We ought not to contradict him. When he gives a command, we ought to do it without murmuring. Consider the story of Jonah. God told Jonah to go to Nineveh. Jonah didn't want to go to Nineveh. And so Jonah went in the opposite direction. When God turned him around, Jonah finally relented and went to Nineveh. But even in doing the work that God had commanded him, he went about it all wrong. He had the wrong heart attitude. Yes, God's will was accomplished, but the servant that did it was far from pleasing to God. And it comes about because people tend to think only about themselves. People tend to be self-centred. They don't want to work with others. All they want to do is what they want to do. And as Christians, we ought not to think simply about ourselves. We ought to think of others. Especially we ought to think of what God would want us to do. In ancient times, when there was sicknesses or plagues going around, it was the Christians who cared for the sick. Nobody else would go near them. You see, to the ordinary man or woman, it was, unsa- it was unsavory to go near a sick person. To risk themselves for someone who would do nothing for them. Yet the Christians would take them food. The Christians would go out and help the poor, the sick, the needy. Do we do this today? Do we have a general concern for others? As servants, it is not for the servant to, to argue with the master. And this was another thing that affected early, the early church. In some cases, the master of a household and his servants were all saved. So when they would come together, they would recognize themselves as equals. But upon returning to the house, they would have to return to 
the master and servant structure. And some servants began to envy their masters. They would begin to answer again what their masters were asking them to do. And we ought to avoid this. We ought not to murmur and grumble against our holy master. We ought to be humble as servants. We ought to be obedient, pleasing. The second thing that we find displeases masters is purloining. Exhort servants to be obedient unto their, ma their own masters and to please them well in all things, not answering again, not purloining. Now the word now the word purloining means to deprive or rob or to make secret reservation. Now servants in the ancient times were often entrusted with things such as money. They'd be asked to go down to the marketplace and purchase things. Or they'd be asked to take money to some place like a bank or to another person. And because servants were slaves, most, most servants were slaves, they weren't paid. And many would keep back some of what was given to them. The master would give a servant $10. They would go, be told to go down and buy some bread. Now the bread may only have been $2, but the servants would say that the bread was $4. They'd keep the $2 extra for themselves and give the remainder to the master. Now this, at all, this was not an honest behaviour and it was certainly not expected of Christians. And this is kind of what um, Ananias and Sapphira did. Turn with me to Acts in chapter 5. But a certain man named Ananias and Sapphira, his wife, sold a possession and kept back part of the price, his wife also being privy to it, and brought a certain part and laid it at the apostles' feet. But Peter said, Ananias, why has Satan filled thine heart to lie to the Holy Ghost and to keep back part of the price of the land? Whilst it remained with was it not thine own? And after it was sold, was it not in thine own power? Why hast thou conceived this thing in thine heart? Thou hast not lied unto men, but unto God. Ananias and Sapphira sold some land, and there was nothing wrong with that. They brought the money to the church, or to the other Christians. There was nothing wrong with that. What was wrong was they said that they had sold it for X amount of price, and that was the full, full, what was, that was the full amount that they were giving to the church. They were lying. They were keeping back part of the price. Now, the money was theirs. They had every right to keep back part of the price. But you see, because they said that they were dedicating it all to the church, but kept back some of it, they were in, in a way lying. To, they were keeping it back from God. Now you may think that I don't do anything like that. I don't steal from my boss at work. I don't steal anything from God? Well, consider this. Do you have talents and abilities that God has given you? What was the purpose for those talents and abilities? 
Those talents and abilities were for the given to you so that you would glorify God with them. If you are burying them or using them wrong, then you are holding them back from God. Turn with me to Matthew chapter 22. Matthew chapter 22 and verse 37. Jesus said unto him, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, and with all thy soul, and with all thy mind. We are to love the Lord our God with every part of us. We are to dedicate ourselves to God fully, wholly. We aren't to keep anything back. So when we keep back something from God, a talent or abilities, we are depriving it from God. We are robbing it from God. When we do something against his will, we are depriving our time from God. One of the major things that we see in the world today is young Christians falling in love with the wrong person. As Christians, they have given their hearts to God. But they are not content to simply wait on the Lord for the right person. They go out searching. And, not, and by not waiting on God's will, they are stealing their heart back from him to give to somebody else. This is displeasing to God. And as, serv as his servants, we ought not to do it. Instead, we find that we should, we should, as servants, have all good fidelity. Exhort servants to be obedient unto their, their own masters and to please them well in all things, not answering again, not purloining, but showing all good fidelity. Fidelity means faithfulness, honesty, integrity. Instead of acting against our master, instead of stealing from him, we ought to be honest and faithful. We ought to conduct ourselves honestly and with integrity. Within ancient, ancient households, there was the head servant or the head steward. Now, this person wouldn't just simply be given this task or this responsibility. This person was given this, this position of honour because he had proved himself worthy of it. He had proved himself faithful. He had proved himself honest to the master and the household. You know, sometimes these masters, these head stewards, would have been born as a slave in that household. They would have grown up in that household. And throughout their life as a slave, they proved themselves honest and faithful. They had integrity. When they were asked to go down to the market, they brought back what was asked of them and the full, pro and the full amount of money that remained. They didn't hold anything back. They didn't displease their master. Instead, they were obedient. They were pleasing. And this is required of Christians. Turn with me to 1 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians in chapter 4, verse 2. Moreover, it is required in stewards that a man be found faithful. See, as stewards, 
it is important to be faithful to the household, to the master. You wouldn't give the, the, such a place of honour to someone you deemed untrustworthy or someone unfaithful. See, the head steward would have often be able would be in charge of the rest of the slaves and servants, making sure that everything was done that the master asked, making sure even of the finances of the household were kept in order, that things were sold when they needed to be sold and bought when they needed to be bought. Many head stewards were given control of the master's businesses. And this is pleasing to the masters when they have servants who are faithful and honest, who have integrity. And it is pleasing to God when his servants have this as well. He expects his servants to be faithful to himself. He expects his servants to be honest in all their dealings with others. He expects his servants to go about with integrity. They aren't to lie and cheat their way up the ladder. Instead, they do all things according to his will. And that is pleasing to him. And the reason why we are to have these of we are to have this conduct. It's found in verse 10. Not purloining, but showing in all good fidelity that they may adorn the doctrine of God, our Saviour, in all things. We are to have the, this, we are to possess this conduct because it shows the doctrine of God. It shows the glory of God, the teachings of God. The word adorn here means to arrange or decorate, embellish, to honour and dignify. By having this conduct, we dignify and honour the teachings of God. We honour him and glorify him. By, by conducting ourselves this way, it helps to open the door for people to ask questions who aren't saved. It gives us opportunity to share with them the gospel. Because if we act differently to the world, the world notices. The world is always looking for those who act without integrity, those who displease their masters. But we are servants of God and we ought not to, dis to, to displease our masters because our master... Our grand master, our holy master is in heaven. He is always watching. He knows all things. And it, 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 it is pleasing to God when we exhibit proper conduct. Turn with me to 1 Corinthians in chapter 10. And verse 31, whether therefore ye eat or drink or whatsoever ye do, do all to the glory of God. Now this is a command, a command to all God's servants. Whatever they are doing, whether it's eating or drinking or whatever else they're doing, whether they are in private or in public, 
whether they are working for a boss in a job or doing something for themselves. They ought to be doing it for the glory of God. They ought to be adorning the doctrine of God, our Saviour in all things. You know, Christ has saved us. God has saved us. And no matter how much, how hard we work, we cannot pay him back for that. But just because we can't pay him back for that doesn't mean that we shouldn't try. We ought to set out to do all we can for our master as servants. Tonight we've seen that we are servants of God. And that should produce a humility within us. We should be humble. And as servants, we ought to conduct ourselves. We ought to be but we ought to conduct ourselves in the proper manner. We ought to be obedient to our master. We ought to be pleasing to our master. And we ought to show good fidelity for our master. And when, as we do this, it'll help us to reach others. It'll help us to set the example for others. And it will help us to bring glory to God. Close in prayer. Dear Lord and Heavenly Father, we, uh, we thank you, Lord, that you are a fair master, a good master, Lord, that you would uh, treat us all the same, Lord, and expect us to do all, uh, and expect the same standard from us all. Lord, we just pray that you would just give us um, humility, that we would recognize that we are your servants and that um, we have a job to do, Lord, and that we ought to follow your commands obediently and pleasingly. Help us to conduct our lives, Lord, that in a manner that's pleasing to you and um, help us to bring glory to you, Lord, and give us the opportunities, Lord, to serve you. In Jesus' name, amen.